Hey guys, this is Gigi Edley. I'm Chiana on Farscape, and I'm also the host of Jim Henson's Creature Shop Challenge. Baycon 2019, insert coin to continue, returns this Memorial Day weekend, May 24th through to May 27th at the San Mateo Marriott San Francisco Airport. Writer, guest of honour, David Brin, concept artist, Gary Villarreal, and fan guest of honour, Wanda Kachu. Join us for a weekend of fun and fandom. Hosted by Nerdvana podcast creator, JC Arkham. Get your membership at www.baycon.org. Welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and of course, awesome discussions from fans just like you. Now, some of you may be thinking, oh, it's been so long. I forgot you were even around, Sword and Laser. It's only been three weeks. It's normally two, so just chill. Uh, but uh, our, our, our schedule is a little bit bumpy for the next couple of months because of some travel and, and everything that we're both doing. Uh, but we are committed to continuing to give you the same number of episodes, just <laughs> in a different rhythm. Yes. Uh, I just came back from, where was I? Atlanta. I went to Atlanta. I went to Philly. Mm. I'm going back to Atlanta next weekend. Like this much, weekend. Huh? Yeah, I'm going to a conference yeah. there. Um, should be should be good times. Should be good times. I just got back from Las Vegas where they uh, the morning stream had their big event that they'd been talking about on the morning stream for for months. That was very fun. Good. I saw that Brian Ibbett, uh, host of uh, what's that show that he does? Coverville and the morning stream <laughs> and the morning stream <laughs> did some bungee jumping. Yeah, he did from the Stratosphere Hotel. No thanks. No yeah, thanks. Yeah, I know. I know. Scott Johnson and I said the exact same thing. No oh, thanks. He's very brave. Um, but what are you? You know what else get, makes you brave? Drinking, Tom. Mm. Uh, what What are you drinking? I wish I was drinking Courage Bitter right now, so that I could say I was drinking a pint of Courage. But I'm not. I'm drinking a Strongbow cider. Oh, I am also drinking cider. I'm drinking a Stoked cider in a Scrumpy. It is Ooh. their Scrumpy cider. You know, um, I think Scrumpy Jack is Terpster's favorite cider. Interesting. I didn't mm-hmm. know Scrumpy was a word for cider. I, I thought it was just that particular cider's name. I didn't realize it applied multiple ciders. So that's very interesting. I've learned well, something. If you out there in the audience knows the uh, the origins of the term Scrumpy in terms mm. of cider, uh, I'd love to hear it. Uh, feedback at swordandlaser.com. But let's uh, go ahead. Well, I know real quick before we move on, I was just curious what, what brought you to a cider today? I, what brought you over to my region of the world? I've really been drinking a lot of ciders recently. Oh, really? I find, I find that not only do I, they're very refreshing. Mm-hmm. I don't seem to get like, I'm, I'm a cheap date. I get sick pretty easy. I have a low tolerance. Cider doesn't get me feeling that way. It doesn't make me feel sick. Mm-hmm. And so I can have like two ciders and feel pretty good and wake up the next morning and feel okay. I've I've felt the same way about beer versus cider. Not that I can't have a beer, but when I have beer, I get a it's it's and people are like, oh, maybe it's the gluten. It's not the gluten because I don't have this with anything else. But there's right. something about it. 
maybe it just weighs me down more. I don't know. But cider cider treats me better too. So that's interesting. So I've been almost exclusively drinking cider recently. Wow. Um, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Right. It's been it's been nice. Summer. It's summertime. Good good time mm, for cider. Summertime and the cider is flowing. <laughs> Let's jump into the quick burns. So Dara and Andrew P. Uh, pointed out that author and SFWA Grandmaster Gene Wolfe passed away on April 14th at age 87. Uh, of course, a master sci-fi writer. Uh, his emblematic series uh, that I always want to call, it's, 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 <laughs> I always want to call it the Sword and Claw. Am I wrong when I say that? Shadow and Claw. Shadow. Why do I always want to say sword? Well, Shadow and Claw was very sword and laser. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, Josh Lawrence, uh, who helps us out with the show and, and made the theme music to the show, big Gene Wolfe fan, kind of introduced us to Shadow and Claw. Uh, so we're big fans of Gene Wolfe, and you even got a chance to interview him. Yeah, I interviewed him. Uh, actually, Josh and I both interviewed him at the Nebulas um, several years ago. Gosh, all the way back in, in episode one. 134 yeah 2013 um so i was i was so happy to meet him and he was so gracious and kind and that was the impression that i always took with me when i thought about gene wolf um i was really really sad to hear about his passing um so yeah if you haven't read gene wolf before definitely check out his work because he's an amazing author he was an amazing author and just a really really great person and a really a strong fixture in the science fiction community for for decades upon decades. Pouring and a little cider out for Gene Wolf. Indeed, indeed. We'll include a link to his memoriam uh, from tour.com in the show notes and also a link to the podcast episode we did with him. Um, it was it was great. And I actually last saw him recently at Worldcon this past year in the green room. And I chickened out with saying hello, but I, oh. I definitely felt really happy to see him. And uh yeah, and it's it's a sad time. Well, Robert uh, pointed out that coincidentally, shortly after hearing the news uh, about Gene Wolfe passing, uh, he was snaking on some Pringles chips and looked them up on Wikipedia to see how they were made. And according to Wikipedia, Gene Wolfe is the mechanical engineer known for developing the machine that cooks Pringles as well. So uh, if you remember him as a sci-fi author, you may also remember him as the man who made Pringles possible. I love Pringles. I, you know, I have a, uh, I have a deep and abiding uh, affection for Pringles. I, saying I like them implies that I appreciate their taste more than other things, which I, <laughs> I would have a hard time defending. There's just a nostalgic attachment to them, and especially when I travel, I always want Pringles. There, that is my, that is my, my airplane, my United mm -hmm. treat. When I fly in United, I get a little, the little can of Pringles. And yeah, it, yeah, it makes me feel. You know, like I'm retaining a lot of water because it's very salty, but very delicious. I went to an archaeology camp when I was in, I think, junior high, uh, like it, where we, we was a bunch of kids were brought out to this, this archaeology site in Illinois. And uh, I remember buying Pringles and eating them and just they really helped get me through archaeology camp. But ever since then, I've, I've had that association. Why did you need help getting through archaeology well, camp? Know, that sounds amazing. Well, because you're hungry, you know, because you're, you're out walking around all day in the sun in the middle of the summer. And okay. There was also one day where they taught us how to eat edible foods in the wild <laughs> that, that people who lived back in the times of the archaeology camp that we were looking at would have eaten and, and maybe ate a few too many of them. <laughs> 
Did you have a hallucinatory experience, Tom? <laughs> no, no, just a stomachache. Yeah, okay. sadly, okay. no. Well, Dara says, uh, Tor announced the British Science Fiction Association winners on their website. Uh, Best novel went to Embers of War by Gareth L. Powell and Best Novella, Time Was by Ian MacDonald. And you can see all of the winners over on Tor.com. They're also pointed out that Titan Books is publishing The Art and Making of the Expanse (gasps) in October, according to their Twitter. And just the picture that they posted on Twitter uh, looks amazing. And of course, if you like the art of the expanse. Uh, there's, this is going to be a, a nice coffee table book for you to get. Wow. And then you Nicole can pre-order was, it now. Yeah. I want that. That's exciting. Uh, so when is that coming back? Do we know? We don't have a date. We don't have a date yet. Nope. Hmm. They said this year. All right. We're going to hold them to that. <laughs> Hurry up. Amazon. <laughs> Nokomis.fl says William Gibson's unproduced Alien 3 script is actually getting an audio drama featuring Michael Bain as Hicks. It's over on audible.com. You can check it out now. Um, Alien 3. Oh, you can pre-order it rather for Mm -hmm. Mm $8.95 over on Audible or Or use one one of your credits. Exactly. Uh, let's read a little bit of this. Uh, Audible is bringing William Gibson's uncovered Alien 3 script to life in audio for the first time to mark the 40th anniversary of the birth of the Alien franchise. Alongside a full cast, uh, Michael Bain and Lance Henriksen reprised our iconic roles as Corporal Hicks and Bishop from the 1986 film Aliens. That's amazing. Yeah, uh, there was an Alien 3 movie, if you're, you're unclear on that. Uh, William Gibson did not write the script for that. Uh, but a lot of people have always wondered if it would have been a better Alien Three if they had <laughs> used the script written by William Gibson. But so now you can you can kind of hear it played out uh, mm-hmm. and 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 decide for yourself. Yeah, it's a it's a multicast dramatization, so it's not like one author reading it; it's mm-hmm. an entire cast ensemble. Yeah. Um, so it'll really be like almost listening to a film with with. Uh, all sorts of amazing effects. And I think that's, I mean, it's too scary for me, so I'm not going to listen to it. Um, but you all should. That's, and, you just should. Uh, I want to I give a hat tip to Darav because she always does such a great job of, of submitting quick burns. But given her a run for her money this week is TRP. We got, we got a few different ones from TRP here. Uh, first of all, as previously mentioned uh, in, in and around the Sword and Laser Goodreads, and I think right here on the show, uh, Ben Aronovich uh, has tweeted that the TV series adapted from his Rivers of London books are to be made by Simon Pegg and Nick Frost's Stolen Pictures production company. Hmm. 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 Okay. Simon Pegg. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, maybe not by Simon Pegg, but by Simon Pegg's production company. So that's, you know, that's. I'm not in. too familiar with. Um, Doesn't mean they'll get Edgar Wright to direct. With uh, Rivers of London. I'm not too familiar with that series. Mm-hmm. That well, sounds... TRP is, and he's very yes. excited. TRP also says that Circe by Madeline Miller has been shortlisted for the 2019 UK Women's Prize for Fiction. Uh, Here's some blurb from the website explaining what it's about. The Women's Prize for Fiction is the UK's most prestigious annual book award, celebrating and honoring women's fiction. Founded in 1996, the prize was set up to celebrate originality, accessibility, and excellence in writing by women and to connect world-class writers with readers everywhere. So congrats to Madeline Miller. Yeah, and and you know these kinds of of awards, these these sort just getting shortlisted for these kinds of awards is is huge for authors, uh, because this is not a genre award. This is just a fiction award. Uh, so 
She is right in there with uh, An American Marriage by Tayari Jones, Ordinary People by Diana Evans, Milkman by Anna Burns, uh, My Sister the Serial Killer by Oyinkin Braithwaite, and The Silence of the Girls by Pat Barker. I don't know. Uh, I am not familiar with the, with most of the on this list, except for Cersei, because, of course, we read it uh, here for the show. Um, but, yeah, uh, good good for you. That's that's fantastic. And it, and it was an excellent piece well of deserved. literature. Well-deserved, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, TRP also notes that Tom Merritt, yes, that one, said on Cord Killers, a podcast apparently, that Laura Donnelly has been cast in Joss Whedon's The Nevers. And according to IMDb, The Nevers is an epic science fiction drama about a gang of Victorian women who find themselves with unusual abilities, relentless enemies, and a mission that might change the world. And TRP is exactly like me. Uh, TRP says, sounds a bit like The Strange Case of the Alchemist's Daughter by Theodora Goss, which is separately in development. We've talked about that on the show before. So uh, I, I think we're we've, we're getting a subgenre here. Hmm. I went to high school with a girl named Laura Donnelly. Did, not did, her. Was it this one? No, no. Okay. It was not, sadly. Um, yeah, this is fascinating. It makes me think a lot of the time we had a, a uh, that whole situation with iZombie and um, mm. white trash zombie mm-hmm. and things like that, where suddenly we had a genre of zombie, zomb- blonde-haired zombie women like working in mortuaries. Sub-genre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll take it. I'm glad. I am very glad to hear that the strange case of the alchemist daughter is also in development. So that's good. At least there's that balance there. Um, but that sounds pretty similar. There's also a little Gail Carriger, uh adjacent feeling to this Joss Whedon project. Mm, yes. Yeah, because these are... The parasol have, protectorate, I'm thinking. Of course, yeah. Interesting. Well, I will watch both or either, whichever one makes it to TV if they do. Yeah. Very cool. Well, uh, looks like uh, Hulu is going to have the the Nevers. Is that right? I yes. So. Yeah. Yeah. So that one looks for sure. A strange case of the alchemist daughter is still in development. Got it. Nicomas.fl says a manuscript and author... Anthony Burgess's archives appears to be a follow-up to the book A Clockwork Orange. The 200-page work is titled The Clockwork Condition and contains thoughts on the human condition and moral panic and reaction to the release of the film adaptation of A Clockwork Orange. Yeah, uh, we, t- we talked about this on Current Geek this week as well. Basically, and I, actually, I think Nicobus.fl submitted this there also. Uh, <laughs> Got to you first. Pretty interested uh, in this. But apparently this is a philosophical manuscript about the reactions, not a sequel, not a novel. And Burgess uh, in one interview refers to it and says, I realized while working on it that I'm a novelist, not a philosopher. And so his actual follow-up is called The Clockwork Testament, and it's a novel about an author dealing with the fallout of the kinds of things that happen in reaction to a clockwork orange wow. uh, film. So that's super that meta. Does exist. Yeah. That does exist. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's but fascinating. Anyway, it's, it's kind of crazy to think that, you know, there's still things to be discovered in author's papers that, that have not reached the light of day like this. Absolutely. I Maybe have always more been Douglas Adams. That would be very cool. Um, all right, let's hop into barrier sword, which is our feedback from the audience. Thea says, or Thea says, hi, I recently discovered your podcast and I'm working through the archive. Back in 2009, Tom mentioned he was reading Evelyn Waugh's The Sword of Honor trilogy, currently a 
disappointed with the science fiction fantasy books I've been reading. I decided it was time to switch genres. I'm enjoying it immensely. So thanks. That's so random and amazing. I love that. Uh, Sword of Honor trilogy is one of my favorites of all time. Uh, I think it's one of Evelyn Waugh's best works. I know Brideshead Revisited gets uh, all the plaudits and deservedly so, but I just love that trilogy. I've read it multiple times and I can't believe that a recommendation I made 10 (laughs) years ago uh, uh, finally found a home or, or, you know, has found another uh, person to help out. So that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And, and I know that, um, actually just to, before we move on, I know that Priscilla's also Priscilla, who is reading all of the books from sword mm. and laser. She's been going through our, our archives of podcasts and she's now in like episodes in the fifties. Mm-hmm. Um, which apparently when we can moved everything over to Squarespace from whatever we used to be on, we, the embeds for the, uh, podcast files got lost in translation. So the files, if you're going through the archives and, and on swordandlaser.com and you happen to see that there's a broken embed link, always look at the bottom of the post. That was where I used to host the direct file download. Now it's right up at the top. Um, but if you see a broken embed link, Tom's looking at me so funny right now. This is helpful for people who are going through the archives because they're not on the feed anymore. But if you go down to the bottom of the post for that episode, you'll get the the link, the direct link that you can right click on and save to your hard drive. And that's where that's where the file is. I remember a conversation when we were doing the show about mm-hmm. using uh, goof, goofy plugins. And I said, you know, if you use archive.org, it will always be there. You won't have to go back and change so it. So actually, no, we never uploaded those episodes to archive.org. I know, because um, I recommended that. And you said, no, 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 this will work just fine. Wow, this sounds like it's been festering for a minute, Tom. This sounds like you've been holding this back for a really long time. No, it was the thing at the time, like, well, I mean, one Tom, day you're going to you have to replace handle, all these links. If you want to handle all the tech for the show, I mean, you can go ahead and do that. I'd be happy. I mean, happy you know, to just hand that maybe all over every to once you. in a while, my advice about... If you just want something else, open source. Uh, open source, okay. Well, now it all lives on SoundCloud so that if they shut down, we're screwed. Yeah. No, we're, there. So, we're, there. we're done. It's all yeah. done. Yeah. yeah. But good thing we have all the files. We can always batch upload them to archive.org. That's true. And we even have them on hard drives that are like cold storage. Some of them. I have not some, of them. <laughs> some of them. <laughs> a lot of the, the older ones, anyway. I mean, it should be fine. It should be fine. I think we if should we start collectively. Doing that with the recent ones, actually. Yeah, That's a yeah, really good point. I don't have anything about that. I don't mm-hmm. have a, a working. Okay. Anyway, moving on. Yeah. Um, uh, new Twitter review yeah. from Beth Mitchum. Uh, she says. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, J.K. Rowling. Had fun rereading this book with Sword and Laser. Great kid's eye view of the world and clearly made for reading aloud. I had more sympathy for Malfoy this time around. He's a good Harry foil. Mm, interesting perspective. It's amazing how substantive these reviews are Yeah, in 280 like that characters. Me, that made me think. I don't yeah. have sympathy for Malfoy. I think he's a turd. <sighs> You didn't read all the way to the end, though. I read series? all seven books again, and <laughs> did you I really, really do have a lot more sympathy for You got Malfoy. through all of them? I did. I went through the audiobooks of all seven of them. It's <gasps> a lot of listening. Yeah. It was fun. Good for because you. It was, it was like halfway between rewatching the movies, which I'd just done like a year ago, uh, and reading the books again. And, and so you get a little of the performance, right, from mm-hmm. Jim Dale. Uh, but you also don't have to sit there and look at something. You can do other stuff while you're listening, which is great. Excellent. Well, I'm I'm weirdly proud of you for getting through all of those <laughs> in such you. a short amount of time. <laughs> nice of you. 
At S. Blackmore, a.k.a. author Stephen Blackmore, says, I would like to publicly say, and this might be the only time I say it or he'll get a swelled head, but at Brian T. McClellan is awesome. So awesome that he gave me a shout out on at Sword and Laser for the Eric Carter books. Thank you. Your check is in the mail. <laughs> That's fantastic. I, lo- I love it when, when, we, uh, when we bring authors together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like I we never told I don't think we ever told Sam Sykes about his uh Dara Dara um fiction fanfic that was happening here in the book oh, club yeah. for our for our Hugo noms. Mm-hmm. Um I'll have to pass those along we to pass him that sometime. Along. Absolutely. Uh, and speaking of the interview with Brian McClellan, El Commutador says, Sword and Laser, I like the sense of humor in this one. Wink. I'm listening to Theft of Swords, Raira Revelations, Volume One on Scribd. Hmm. I might have messed that up. It might not have been about our interview with Brian McGowan. <laughs> well, he, uh, he's, uh, no, it's about Michael Sullivan. It's about Michael. <laughs> I copied and pasted it a little bit too fast. So sorry about that. But thank yeah. you. Thank you, El Comutador. Uh, no, uh, well, hmm, yeah, I don't know. I, I I guess it would be the the one where we kicked off. Raira. Remember, I all I have to do to remember how to say it now is think about the album art I made for that episode. Yeah. No, that helped me too. Raira. Yeah. Yeah. That was the best thing you've ever done. Thank you. Um, <laughs> scribed or Scribd, I'm not sure how it's said, is actually a pretty cool platform. So it's if you haven't checked it out, you get unlimited. This is not an ad. I have no affiliation with them. Um, it, they do like unlimited audiobooks, ebooks, and mm-hmm. magazines that are mm-hmm. available like cross platform. And it's like nine bucks a month. Um, it's pretty cool. They've got some great stuff on there. So if you are looking for a non like audible Amazon solution, um, it's actually pretty neat. I went to their offices, uh, one time when I did that interview with Carrie Byron recently for her new book, um, they hosted it and it was, it was cool to, to see that there were like other options out there. Now, I know it's May 1st, uh, but before we kick off... It's gonna be May. Our bu- a book, we should... I, we didn't talk about this. Should Do we need to give any more Theft of Swords wrap-up after we kick off our May book? We'll kick off our May book first so that we do non-spoilery stuff all the way until the end. But maybe we'll... Do you have any more thoughts on the Theft of Swords? I, I mean, just real briefly, I liked it enough that I'm reading the next book. Okay. All right. Well then Which let's is, talk about, let's talk about Martian Chronicles Okay. so we can be non-spoilery and then we can get into spoilery stuff about why you've moved on to the next book, which is great. Sure. All right. Uh, so May 1st is today as we're recording and today it's going to be officially May. it is May. Uh, the Martian Chronicles, you might say <gasps> the Martian Chronicles by Ray Bradbury is our book for May. Uh, Putting to rest once and for all one of the longest running requests <laughs> on Sword and Laser that we read this book. Uh, a few times I've put it in a poll and it comes in second every time, it seems like. Uh, we've had it in the tournament this year and it, it got pretty far because people are like, yes, I want to read this book, but it didn't win. Uh, so I just made it the pick this month and uh, it is different. You have to remember that this book was written back in the 40s as short stories for anthology magazines, which were all the rage back then, and then turned into a fix-up, which was a common thing. We talked about this in the past Mm -hmm. uh, with other books from that same era. So 
publication was May 4th, 1950 as a fix up, which means you take all your stories that are in the same vein and you write a little bit of new material to connect them together. So the Martian Chronicles really is going to come off as a chronicle. You're going to get different stories with different character characters progressing through time from before the Earth people discover Mars or get to Mars uh, through the the last colonists uh, on Earth and whether there are any Martians still existing. It's also wrong. I mean, we know more about Mars now than we did back when Ray Bradbury talked <laughs> uh-huh. about this. So, so you know, he's he's talking about canals with water in them uh, and and breathable we atmospheres. We don't know that's not true. The canals we, thing. We do know there's no canals. We don't know. We do know there's water. Yeah, but there but there's no canals full there's of no, water. There's no there's canals. no rivers. There's no canals. <laughs> basically. There's no canals. Uh, also, you can't breathe outside. You can't do that. Of a spacesuit. I mean, no. come on. Andy Weir taught us this. We, we know. Um, but if you kind of set aside that and be like, okay, well, Ray Bradbury didn't wasn't as sure about these things or didn't even know about some of these things back then, uh, it is it is a compelling and very literate uh, novel. It's it, it sometimes is very philo- philosophical. Sometimes it feels very of its time philosophical, but uh, other times it's, it's almost fantasy. Some, and sometimes it's hard sci-fi because it's this collection of stories. So I just want people to be prepared that you're not getting a novel. You're basically getting a loosely connected series of short stories. That said, I found it quite enjoyable, uh, to take a trip through this. So you read it already. Yeah, I did. I plowed through it. Uh, it's not long. That's, that's another thing that may be an advantage for people. Uh, and it was received well at publication. It's been considered a classic for a long time. There are different editions of it. A 1997 version advanced the dates by 31 years because they start in the 90s. <laughs> and so in 97, they're like, well, that's not true. Let's uh, let's advance the dates by 30 years. And they also replaced Way in the Middle of the Air, which details Southern racism uh, with a story called The Wilderness in that 1997 version more recent versions have restored the original dates and restored way in the middle of the air. Uh, if you're worried about way in the middle of the air being racist, I would say, you know, your mileage may vary, but it is meant to show the conditions in the South at the time when he was writing this in the forties and be a commentary, a critical commentary on that. Mm. Uh, but you know, some people may look at it and go, Whoa, yeah, that's not okay. But he's also reflecting how people act and talked back then. Absolutely. Um, I'm excited to read it. It's it's been on my list for a long time, and I just have never gotten around to it. So I'm I'm happy that you made this the dictatorial pick for the month. Yeah, I was I was pleased too. Um, and if you're a patron, uh, you know, back on April 22nd, we posted the book briefing about it. So there's a few tidbits about Ray Bradbury. Of course, there's loads of work on the internet if you want to learn about Ray, Ray Bradbury in detail as well. Uh, he's well documented and and just passed away not that many years ago. So. Um, anyway, very excited, uh, to dig into the Martian Chronicles. Okay. Now let's get spoilery with our final thoughts on theft of swords. So a lot of people in the forums were saying that they much preferred part two of the story. So all of these books were kind of written at different times. And then the, the first book were, uh, the first two stories were put together into theft of swords. So that's the crown conspiracy and Avamparatha. And then the second book is Rise of Empire, which contains uh, Nifron Rising and the Emerald Storm. And so we read the the first book, the collection of the first two stories, Theft of Swords. 
And a lot of people said they preferred part two, Avampartha, uh, better than The Crown Conspiracy. Did you did you kind of think of them as separate stories or did you read them together as one novel and in that mindset? I'll be honest. I, I know where the division between the two stories happens, but I couldn't tell for sure which page it happened on. Mm. Uh, and so I felt like, okay, there's definitely two phases here that are two different books. I get, I can see that. Uh, but I felt like they blended nicely together. I, I don't know that I, I preferred one over the other because it did hang together, uh, as a fun time to spend with these two characters rather than me enjoying the story so much. I, I liked the characters and I liked the world I was living in. Mm -hmm. And so the stories were just vehicles to to move me along. And when that vehicle changed a little bit, uh, I was fine with that. Uh, in fact, if anything, I liked that we moved around a lot more in the first part of the story. And in the second part of the story, we, we locate in one area and we're, you know, we're, we're fighting the mythical beast, right? Like right. that's, that's just that, that kind of story, which is a fine kind of story, but I like a journey story. Uh, so, so I was, I was happy with both of them, to be honest. Yeah. The first, the true to its title, the crown conspiracy, the first part is really very conspiratorial and very kind of digging into the depths of this, this monarchy and what's happening and why, why Braga, uh, Percy Braga, her Arista and Alric's uncle is like trying to take over uh, the crown and you start getting kind of wisps of maybe there's something bigger happening here, like behind the scenes that it's more than just Percy. It's, it's something having to do with the, with the church and, and uh, what's going on with Salder, Bishop Salder. And so you meet all these characters, they kind of put the chess pieces in play. And then book two is really to me where, where the action starts to happen. Um, we, it feels almost off theme because we end up in this very small village, Dahlgren, and you're like, what are they doing here? This is kind of weird. But then suddenly the entire, the entire, like the, 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 like everyone from the church, everyone from the capital suddenly shows up in this tiny town because they're trying to get these gears in motion to, to really begin the, the empire anew and figure out who the, the new emperor uh, is going to be, uh, the emperor of Navran. And and so you you get introduced to a lot of these characters. Um, I think my ca favorite character in the whole story is Arista. Um, I, I just love her and her experience kind of coming into her magical abilities. Um, Ezra Haddon's like a really interesting... Well, you know, he's not that interesting because he's kind of like the typical wizard archetype in a lot of ways. Um, he's maybe a little more sassy and and interesting in just his, his speech and his dialogue, but... He's a little more chaotic, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, not that Gandalf doesn't have his scary moments, but you know Gandalf is good. You're not mm -hmm. quite sure with Ezra Haddon. You don't know what his motivations are, really. And that doesn't really come out much more until um, the heir of Novarin, when you kind of start learning more about what he's, what his motivations are and what he's trying to accomplish or what he has been trying to accomplish. Um, and so, of course, everything kind of ends with Thrace becoming the new empress of Navran, of of becoming the empress of this the entire world that we we know of right now. Um not yeah, I mean later we find the world's a little bit bigger than that, but um she gets plunged into this role because she has the ability or she had the the guts to kill the uh Gelabrin, the Gelabrin, mm -hmm. Gelag, mm -hmm. Gil 
Gilaraprin. What? What did you say? <laughs> I said Khalil Gibran, which is the name of, of a mystic philosopher. Perfect. <laughs> Not the name of the bat monster. Um, and so Royce and and um Hadrian are are kind of further thrust into this intrigue and they know things and well, and you really, find out. I like that you find out a little more about the backstories of both of them yeah. in the second second book. Well, you find out that half. that Royce is is part elf, mm-hmm. um, and that I mean, ex- you really expl- get the you kind of knew it. Yeah, yeah. you can like, see oh. in the dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I actually really one of my favorite scenes is when he grabs the pig in the dark in the house, and uh-huh. the the kids are like. Though that was serious, that was a big deal, and like they remember how like impressive that was later. They're like, yeah. remember that time that Royce grabbed the pig in the dark? <laughs> that was so cool. That was insane. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, I think it, it was a people. I think were a little bit annoyed that it was like a typical, like very fantasy, a lot of fantasy tropes. <laughs> but <laughs> sorry, I don't mean to to be <laughs> yeah reductive here but at the same time like i thought it was really fun and like i said it it was fun enough that i've continued on with the series and i'm really into it yeah i think maybe one of the reasons some people might have liked the second half better is the first half is very political and if and i know that's not some people are like yeah i don't i don't love that so much like i hear that criticism of a song of ice and fire the books sometimes Mm -hmm. it's like eh, i like it when they're you know, riding around on dragons, don't so much love it when I'm getting the, you know, rundown of the Targaryen lineage and, and all of that. But I like that kind of stuff. I like that kind of world building. So I dug that in the first episode, whereas the second episode is a little more of like, okay, we've told you all the players and what their general motivations and history are. Now let's dig up the mysticism of the past. Now let's bring in a lot more of that fantasy history and inject that into the story. And I think that I could see where that could be a, a, a cooler deal for some people. Yeah. But I'm I'm really happy with that we read it. Um and good good job, Rob. You knew yeah. a good book. <laughs> yeah, good good suggestion. Good tournament uh mm-hmm. management. Uh yes. you know, on the community side of things. Wait and a second. What? Wait a second. What now? I'm thinking up my own crown conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Rob Tell me more. was running the whole brackets. Rob was running the whole. Con- Rob wasn't running the polls. I was I'm running just the polls. Saying, and uh, I can swear to you that no consideration <laughs> passed hands between Rob and I. How much did he pay you? Nothing. He paid me nothing in cash. <laughs> Favors. <laughs> I I don't know what you're talking about, Veronica. There was okay. no conspiracy. Right. Mm. Sounds feels like a crown conspiracy to me. Perfectly honest. (laughs) Wouldn't it be amazing if we found out that Rob is actually Michael J. Sullivan? He's Michael J. Sullivan and also a wizard and was mind controlling me Mm -hmm. uh, when I made Mm -hmm. the polls. Yeah, Uh, it's not unlikely. All right, everyone. That about wraps up this episode. (laughs) (laughs) I like how that just occurred to me like a month and a half (laughs) later. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Um... Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Uh, as you know, our show is currently entirely funded by our patrons. Thank you so much to everyone who backs our show. We super appreciate it. You make this all possible. If you want to help support us, head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser. 
Yeah, uh, thanks to folks like Jesse Bernudi or Kim Frank and everyone who supports us there. And you can also support the show by buying books through our links. You can find links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com slash picks. Send us an email, feedback at swordandlaser.com. Our website is swordandlaser.com. All of our discussions happen over on goodreads.com slash swordandlaser. And you can call and leave us a voicemail at 415-7-SWORD-6. We will see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. This podcast is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.